everybody, welcome back to the Financial Freedom Show. My name is Rob Berger, so check this out. I was doing some research on cybercrime, and one study estimates that by the year 2025, that's just four years from now, cybercrime will cost the world 10.5 trillion, that's with a T, trillion dollars. Now, I don't know if that's right, but that's a lot of money. And I, further, I did some further research, and check this out. Um, just this year alone, We've had a number of significant uh, cyber attacks, as you know. This actually is from um, Carnegie, their Endowment for International Peace. And this actually only goes through March. Let me make it a little bigger for you, maybe. There we go. But I noticed a U.S. insurance firm was hit, CNA. Uh, the F FTC is warning about a, a, a phishing email scam. The FTI, uh, FBI attributes $4 billion uh, loss to cybercrime. Uh, I noticed as I went down, uh, there were some Wall Street targets, uh, New Capital. Uh, I saw Sequoia Capital right here. Uh, they disclosed a data breach. Uh, there was even um, one involving uh, uh, American Express, which is, let's see, right here. Of course, it's just above the Microsoft Exchange server breach. And there was even PayPal was involved in a, in a phishing scam. I mean, it's like every single day you hear about a new attack. And it raises the question, how do you and I, particularly if, if you, like me, I'm not a cybersecurity expert, how do we keep our financial accounts safe? And we've, we've got a lot riding on this. You know, we talk a lot about retirement and getting the right asset allocation and keeping our expense ratios low. A lot of good that'll do us if someone hacks our account and takes our money. So uh, what I'm going to do in this video is walk through 10 tools and tips you can use to keep your online accounts safe. Now, I am not a cybersecurity expert living here. Uh, just outside of Washington, D.C., I do know a lot of cybersecurity experts, including some uh, in the military, and I've talked to them at length about this. Doesn't make me an expert, but I have spent uh, a fair amount of time studying this. And so I'm going to walk through 10 tips and tools that have either been recommended to me or that I use. Uh, again, I suppose nothing can eliminate the risk completely, but I think uh, these uh, 10 tips and tools will significantly decrease the likelihood that a bad actor is going to hack uh, your accounts. So I want to begin with probably the one thing, and I should add, I do have a bonus uh, a tip at the end. So it's really 10 tips uh, plus uh, a bonus tip at the end. I am going to mention some tools. There'll be links to everything below the video. Now, I want to begin with the one tip that if I could only do one thing, it would be this, and that is to activate what's called two-factor authentication, or you'll sometimes see it abbreviated the number 2FA, uh, on all of your accounts. The way that works is, you know, you typically sign in with a username and password. And if you have two-factor authentication, uh, well, the bank, or if it's an email account, very important to secure that as well, or a brokerage, will then in some way send you a code. They sometimes call it a one-time password, OTP. They have like three-letter acronyms for everything. In any event, these codes typically only last for like 60 seconds and uh, you type it in and then you, you get access uh, to your account. Now, there are a couple of different ways these codes can be sent to you. Some financial institutions will either text or, or email the code. There are also authentication apps. Google is one of them and they're kind of neat how they work. Let me show you this. You put the app on your phone and then uh, your account, let's say at Fidelity, for example, they'll have a QR code that looks something like this. And uh, on, on the screen, you literally hold your phone up uh, with the authentication app and it reads that QR code and then it ties uh, that app to your account. And then rather than getting a code texted or emailed to you, 
when you go to sign in, you'll actually look at your app on your phone and a code that gets changed every 60 seconds will appear and you type it in and you get access to your account. Now, which one you'll use will depend on the financial institution, but here's the thing. You wanna use them on everything, not just financial accounts. One of the most important accounts is email, because think about it. If hackers get a hold of your email, they can try to reset your password, and then when your financial company emails you to confirm that's what you wanna do, they have access to your email and can confirm the change in your password. That's not good. I actually had my email hacked once because I voluntarily gave my password to hackers. I know you say, Rob, uh, what? Yeah. Uh, I thought it was my accountant emailing me. It turns out my accountant's email had been hacked. He thought he informed all of his clients, but somehow he missed me. And I got duped into giving hackers, I thought it was my accountant, my password. And you might say, well, Rob, why would you even give your accountant your password? Yeah, it was just one of those momentary lapses. Fortunately, I immediately realized that what I just did was stupid. I changed my password and I immediately uh, implemented two-factor authentication on my, my Gmail account. And then, of course, I fired my account. That's my story. Hopefully, you know, you don't have to learn the hard way. Add two-factor authentication to every account that has it. That's the first thing. Okay. Number two, you want to use a password manager. And here's why. For your passwords, one, you want to use long passwords. I, at a minimum, assuming the website allows longer passwords, at a minimum, uh, I want a 16-character password. I never want to use the same password uh, for more than one sign-on. I want to change the passwords regularly. And for each password, I want an uppercase, a lowercase, a number, and symbols. And as you ima can imagine, there's simply no way you can remember all these passwords. And trying to write them down is not really secure or practical either. So a password manager can help you do this. And the way they work is uh, you have one password that gets you into your password manager. I use LastPass. Again, I'll have a link below the video. I think it's uh, terrific, but there are other password managers out there that you could use as well. And I can generate through LastPass uh, incredibly long and complicated passwords, and I don't have to remember them. And here's the great thing. LastPass doesn't know them either. They get encrypted on my devices, my computer, my iPhone, my, my tablet, and decrypted uh, on those same devices. In fact, LastPass doesn't even keep my password to LastPass. So it's pretty secure. Uh, you do have to remember your password to LastPass, but don't worry, if you forget it, you can actually recover it, believe it or not, with uh, a, a mobile phone. Or worst case, you have to go in and reset all your passwords to your financial institutions. That would be a real hassle, but better than using uh, short and easy to break passwords and having your account hacked. I highly recommend using a password manager. That's tip uh, number two. Uh, the third tip, is to use a VPN, Virtual Private Network. This is a software that you would buy. Uh, I use NordVPN, I think it's excellent, and I've, I've partnered with them. Uh, if you use the link below the video, you'll get, I think it's 73% off a two-year plan, something like that. But whether you use NordVPN, I've used ExpressVPN in the past, I've used TunnelBear, whichever one you use, it's really important because it does a couple of things. It encrypts the data, the, uh, between your computer or device and the server, uh, where they'll say the website is hosted. And it also uh, uh, blocks someone from getting your IP address. This is absolutely critical if you're you know, uh, out on a public network, at a coffee shop, at a hotel, at the airport, you absolutely have to secure this. I use it at home too, because frankly, I don't want my internet service provider 
uh, being able to snoop around my data. They sell that data. Now they say they do it anonymously, uh, but I don't care. I, I, Verizon, I don't want you to have my data. I mean, if you like the show, I hope you subscribe, <laughs> but you can't have my data. So I use VP, I'm using a VPN right now as I record this video at home. And of course I use it um, whenever I'm on a public uh, Wi-Fi uh, getting access to the internet. So I think a VPN is critical. All right, number four, you've probably have accounts where they ask you to answer some security questions. What are the common security questions? Mother's maiden name and place of birth. Those are really bad security questions, at least if you answer them accurately, uh, because um, bad guys can get access to that data. I have a very good friend. Just the other day, he told me that he got a call from his bank. Imagine getting this call. Yeah, I just want to confirm you want to wire $150,000 out of your account. Now, his first thought was, I don't have $150,000 in my account. And if I did, I'm not planning to wire it anywhere. It turns out that hackers called his bank. They didn't go online. And they had the answers to these common security questions. They just found this information uh, online and they used it to get past all the security blocks. And then they took $150,000 out of his home equity line of credit, deposited it into his account, and then they tried to wire it out of his bank account. Now, fortunately, his bank called them. They never got the, the money out of his account, but that was a close call. And he said, you know, he told me we were having coffee. He said, Rob, you gotta make sure you're using security questions and answers that either one, no one could possibly know, or just make up incorrect answers, right? For your mother's maiden name, don't actually put your mother's maiden name, put something else. You wanna make sure your security questions are secure. All right, number five, you wanna set up alerts on all your accounts. If there's something going on with an account, let's say there's a trade uh, on your brokerage account, for example, you wanna get an alert. I like to get a text alert or an email alert uh, to my phone. I set that up for my bank accounts and for my brokerage accounts. Uh, so that if something's going on, I find out right away and can potentially stop it. Number six, don't click on, on links and emails. I mean, there might be an exception here or there, but by and large, if I get an email from my credit card company or bank or brokerage uh, and they say, hey, maybe there's some fraudulent activity, click this link, mm -mm. I call them. If it's a credit card, I call the number on the back of the card. Uh, my brokerage, I call their number and I deal with it. I don't click the, e the link in the email, and that actually is related to item number seven, and that is don't call the phone numbers in the emails. If it's a phishing email, they're gonna put a bogus number in the email, and they might answer it, hey, this is Fidelity. Well, it may or may not be Fidelity. So if there's an email, uh, a phone number in the email, I ain't gonna use it. I'm gonna get the number off my brokerage statement, off the back of my debit card or my credit card. I'm gonna make sure the number I'm calling is legit. All right. Number eight, uh, we all use apps on our tablets and, and phones. Only download them from either the Apple or Android app stores. Uh, I limit, in my case, it's an iPhone and I only download apps from the app store because I know uh, that they're at least as secure as they possibly can be. And uh, so I'm not gonna be downloading apps uh, uh, from other locations. And of course, they're sometimes, uh, um, for example, Apple might prevent you, but of course there are ways to get around that uh, particularly for you folks that like to hack your phones, I don't do that. I'm only going to download an app from, uh, in my case, the Apple Store uh, to make sure I'm downloading a legitimate app. All right, number nine also relates to the phone. I actually, this is really important. I was at a chess tournament. Yeah, I'm a tournament chess player. 
and I set my phone down on the counter. I literally turned over here for just a second, turned back, boom, it's gone. I couldn't believe it. I thought chess players were decent people. Yeah, I had my iPhone stolen. Now, this was a number of years ago. The good news is I can track it, right? Except they just turn the phone off and then wipe it. But what if they tried to actually access my phone? Well, I'm able to wipe the data from my iPhone. And it's really important to set that up. So you wanna have the ability to track your phone and to wipe the data on your phone if it's ever lost or stolen. Actually, one time I left the phone on top of my van driving out of Washington, DC. It flew off of my van, I'm not kidding. I was on Interstate 66. I was in the left lane, it flew off my van into this tiny median, just barely big enough to hold, you know, to, to park a car. Cars zipping by at 85 miles an hour. I didn't know where the phone was. I got home and couldn't find it. But fortunately, I was tracking my phone. I saw right where it was. My wife drove me back and I was probably an idiot, but I got out of the car as others were screaming by me at 85 miles an hour. Okay, maybe 70 miles an hour and got my stupid phone. But yeah, you wanna be able to track your phone and wipe the data. That could come in handy. The 10th and final uh, tip before we get to the bonus is use antivirus software. And that's true even if like me, you have a Mac. And I have both Macs and PCs. And my, my antivirus uh, tool of choice is Norton. Uh, and I think it works very well. There are obviously other options, whichever one works for you. I think it's really important to have antivirus software on your machines. It's not very expensive and it's just another sort of uh, defense against possible uh, spyware on your computer. All right, I mentioned a bonus tip and it's this. Uh, when it comes to brokerage accounts, particularly as your assets grow, consider, uh, consider spreading them out over more than one, just one brokerage account. Yeah, it does add a little bit of inconvenience, but if one account gets hacked, they can't take everything that you have. Now, you know how many accounts you should have is gonna depend on your, your comfort level, how much uh, money you have invested. But I think at a minimum, once you get to uh, a point where you've got a fair amount of money, particularly uh, for those like me that are nearing retirement, I'm not comfortable putting all of my assets in one brokerage account. And I spread it over, in my case, actually four right now. Maybe that's a little bit of overkill, but the point is consider consoli or not consolidating your accounts all with one uh, brokerage. It just gives me uh, sort of an added comfort level. So there you go, 10 tips on how to keep your online accounts safe, plus a bonus tip. If you have other suggestions or questions, leave them in the comments uh, below. Uh, be happy to help you out any way I can. And until next time, remember, the best thing money can buy is financial freedom.